Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, good to see you all gather out this Sunday morning, and uh, it's a very warm welcome to you if you're here in person, but also if you're listening online via our church app, or indeed through Facebook Live, or maybe later on on CD Ministry, you too are very welcome indeed. On your behalf this morning, I bid a very warm welcome back to the Reverend David Allen. It's good to have you back again with us, David, and to your wife, Jackie. Am I right in saying that? I have a great memory, you know, despite some other things, but really good to have you back with us. I know you've travelled from Ballymoney this morning, not at home. It's an hour and a half journey and an hour and a half back. But we very much appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We've always enjoyed your ministry with us. And we look forward to hearing what the Lord has laid upon your heart for each of us today. So thank you, David. I have a number of announcements just to go through. And I'll be as quick as I possibly can. And as most of you will know, due to the increase in uh, infection rate of COVID-19 locally here, a number of organisations within the congregation have decided just to suspend activities until the new year. So that means today there will be uh, no Sunday school, there will be no PW, and no BB and GB until 2022. I know this is not the best news to bring. It's a bit of an inconvenience and it's disappointing news for many people, uh, but we do have a duty of care, uh, not only to our church family, but also to the wider community. And uh, I think it's the best decision that has been taken. So on behalf of Church Session, I want to thank all of the organizations for uh, taking the time to think and to pray over uh, these matters and to come to these uh, decisions. So thank you on behalf of Church Session. Next Sunday, the 19th, uh, is the Sunday before Christmas, as you know. And there will be a special Christmas morning service. And that will be led uh, by Mark Annett. There will be a number of items, special praise items and uh, special items uh, for folk to take part. So uh, may, may take an opportunity to come along next Sunday morning uh, for that special service. And just to announce, uh, unfortunately, on the back of our decisions around COVID-19, we've decided that uh, it just maybe isn't wise and safe to proceed with the Sunday evening service next Sunday evening as previously announced. Again, disappointing news, but... I'm sure most of you will understand. And it is good to see our treasure back in the building again. Welcome back, Lindsay. I know you don't want me to say that, but I've only said that simply because you've given me an announcement. But it is good to have Lindsay back with us again. Uh, Lindsay has been missing from the pew for a few weeks now after an unfortunate accident, but it's good to have him back here again. But Lindsay would like to, me to bring to your attention uh, that he's very grateful for everyone who has responded uh, to the donations for 2021 uh, and those who have made gifts uh, uh, via the, um, the contributions rather through the, through the banking transfer system. And he'd be very grateful if you could make all of your financial gifts or donations towards the congregation before the end of the year. And he's very pleased to report that the financial position of the church has improved. So that's really good news. And we thank Lindsay and the team for keeping us updated on that. Just a short announcement to say that Church Session, I've got asked members of Church Session just to wait behind in the church hall, literally five minutes, will deal with the one topic that we need to chat about. And finally, it is with great sadness that I have to announce the passing of Mr. Johnny Copeland, late of Cross Heights. Uh, and on behalf of the church family here, we extend our deepest and sincere sympathy 
uh, to Johnny's sisters and the extended family circle at this very, very difficult time because, as most of you know, that they lost their mother just a month previously. So we continue to think about the Copeland family in these very difficult days. Folks, I believe these are all the announcements you'll be glad to hear, and I'll now hand over to the Reverend Allen, who will conduct the remaining part of the service. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's very nice to be here with you again, and, and David, many thanks for that kind welcome. As we come to, to worship God uh, on what is one of the, the dark December days as we were driving down today, it was, it was amazing how different it was uh, from the last Sunday we drove down, which was a lovely, bright, crisp autumn day. Uh, today it was misty and dull and, and the, the car headlights were on uh, the whole journey down. Uh, but as we come to worship uh, in this uh, reasonably dreary day weather-wise, as we approach Christmas, I want us to think about what the Lord says in these particular words. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We come today to worship the Lord Jesus Christ the one who came into this world as its light, Saviour, Lord, the one who was promised, the one who came and died and who rose again and who is now in heaven and who will return in power and authority to judge the living and the dead. He is God. We are his creatures we come to worship him, to bow down, to give him his place as Lord of this world and as head of this church. We do that, first of all, as we sing to his praise, using the words of that lovely carol. It's number 211 in Mission Praise. Hark the herald angels sing. Let us worship God.
read together in God's Word, as it's found in the New Testament, in the Gospel according to John, John chapter 1, and we read there the first 14 verses in this passage. Uh, The writer John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is talking about the Lord Jesus and, and how the Word became flesh, how God himself, the Eternal One, became man and dwelt among us for a time. And as we come to this Christmas season, that's what we're remembering. We're remembering how Jesus, the Eternal One, came into this world, born as that little baby in Bethlehem. But John tells us uh, some things that that means to us so that we can reflect upon that and learn from it. And so that by his will, God will speak to us and change not just our thinking, but also the people that we are by the work of his spirit within our hearts and lives. So we read in John's gospel, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse and reading until the end of verse 14. This is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, or of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We end there and ask God to bless his word to us. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, in the stillness we bow before you, the one who is God, the only true God, the one who sent God the Son into this world. 
God the Son who was with you in the beginning became flesh, was born here on this earth, and in doing so brought light, the one who is the light of the world. We confess to you that by nature our hearts are dark. By nature we are sinful people. And this is a sinful world. And yet Jesus, the perfect one, came into this darkness and this sinful world. Even though the world did not recognize him, he came, he shone that light. And by grace you have worked in the hearts and minds of many of us here to open our eyes to see him and to know him and by your grace to receive him as the light of our lives. And so we give you thanks for that, Heavenly Father. But as we give you thanks for the way you have worked to bless us, we confess too that we remain as sinful people. We have tried at times to snuff out that light. We have tried to suppress it, to turn it down if you like. Because we haven't wanted to hear all that you want to say to us. We haven't wanted that light to shine into the dark corners of our lives. Because there are things in our lives that we know are wrong and displeasing to you that we want to hold on to. Whether they're attitudes that we have towards other people, whether they are ways that we talk, ways that we think, or things that we do, things that we know displease you, yet our response to them is to try and block you from them. Forgive us for that. Forgive us that while wanting you to work in our lives and wanting your salvation, often we don't want to be changed by you in the full way that you desire in our lives. We don't want to be completely like Jesus because that would disturb us too much and change us too much. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would forgive us because we know that you're the only person who, have ever, who has ever walked on this earth that was perfect, the only one who has truly pleased our Heavenly Father, and that what you want to do in our lives is to make us like you so that we would please him better. Forgive us for our sinfulness, for being rebellious, willful, thinking at times we know better than you, wanting to take the reins back in our lives rather than handing them over to you. Come today and speak to us through your word. Draw us 
closer and closer to you. Change us and give us grace to yield to you completely. Knowing that when we do, that in itself is freedom. And that in itself, we trust, will bring glory to you and our Father in heaven. So Lord, help us to learn from you today. From how you lived here. From why you came into this world. But help us not simply to learn. Help us by your spirit to be transformed by you. That we would be more like you. That we would please you more. That you would be able by your grace to change us. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus, and for your sake. Amen. I'd like to have a word or two with the young people. If uh, I have a picture to show you, and it's going to come up on the screen now, I'm hoping. It is just... There it goes. Thank you for that. Now, who's going to tell me what that is? Put your hand up if you think you know what it is. I think your hand was up first. It's a moth. Now, did you know what that it was a moth? Good ma. I'm glad you said that because the next thing I was going to say was, it's a bit like a butterfly. Isn't it a bit like a butterfly? It is. It's a bit like a butterfly. There's... A big difference between a moth and a... Well, one difference between a moth and a butterfly is butterflies are often brightly colored. If you see a butterfly in the summer, aren't they bright red and they'll have whites and you might see a yellow one and they might have bright blue bits on them. But see moths, they're a bit bit like that. They're, They're mostly just gray and brown. And so while they're sort of made the same way, they've got the wings and they fly about, one of the big differences between moths and butterflies is the color. And butterflies are bright because often you see them in the daytime and they come out and you'll see them sitting on a, on a, on a flower or on a plant and you'll see their lovely brightly colored wings. But moths... Where, when are you more likely to see a moth than a butterfly? Now, this is a hard question, and I'm not going to blame you if you don't get it. Um, good girl, yes. You tend to see moths more at night. They come out at night, and at night when it's dark, you can't really see bright colors. So moths don't need to be brightly colored. They come out at night. But there's one thing about moths. They come out in the dark and at night. But if you have a light out, say you're having a barbecue and and, and you've stayed out till dark and there's a light there, the moths will come and they'll go towards the light. Now, the next photo might show us that. See, there's the moths there. And there's the bulb. Have you ever seen moths go to a light? Maybe they'll come to the window in the house when the light's on. 
and moths will go round the light. I'm not sure why they do it. There might be somebody here who knows why they do it, but I, I've never looked it up. And I, I, it would have been a good one if you'd got that question right. I would, have, I would have had to give you a prize if you knew why moths went to light. I haven't a clue why that is. There's just something in them that they go to light. And I think there's another photo as well, is there, to show us this? Yes, there's another one. So moths are drawn to the light and if you've ever seen them, you'll see them at night. But the reason you see them is there's a light and they'll be flying towards it. And they'll try and get as close as they can to it. In fact, the moth, if you have something like that, the moth will sometimes actually fly into the light. Even if it hurts itself, it'll fly into the light because it just wants to get closer and closer to it. That's the way moths are. The reason I'm telling you this about moths and the light is because when Jesus came into the world, the Bible says that he was the light of the world. If you put the next one up for me, we'll see. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Now that's in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 12. And really what Jesus is saying there about himself is that he wants us to be a bit like those moths. You know the way the moths come out and they always go towards the light? They want to get as close to the light as they can. Jesus is saying to you and me that he's the light. And he wants us to be like the moths and to get as close to him as we possibly can. For us to say to Jesus, actually, Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Be my light, the light of my life. Help me to follow you as your friend. Be the one who forgives my sins, who makes me your friend. And then help me every day that I live, to follow you, to hear what you're saying to me in your word, the Bible, and help me to do it, and help me to be more and more like you in the person that I am. Help me to love you more, and help me to love our Heavenly Father more. That's really what Jesus is saying there. And I want you to think about those moths and how they get so close, as close as they possibly can to that light. And I want you, from what Jesus says here, to say, Lord Jesus, be the light of my life and help me to follow you as closely as I can. That's what being a Christian is. That's what being a follower of Jesus is. Somebody who wants to follow Jesus and who asks him to help us do that. That's what the Bible calls being a Christian. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us, whether we're younger or whether we've lived a wee bit longer here on this earth. That's what Jesus calls us all to do. Let's close our eyes and we'll pray to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us so much that you came into this world, that you teach us about yourself, and that actually you went to the cross and you died for us 
so that we can have our sins forgiven and we can be your friend. When we turn from those sins and put our trust in you and ask you to be our Savior and our Lord. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to be like those moths, to want to get as close to you as we can, to want to live for you, and to ask you to help us to do that. Because unless you give us the strength to do it, we can't do it in our own strength. So help us in this, we pray, in your name. Amen. We're going to sing. Uh, We're going to sing uh, again. Uh, with the Christmas theme, thinking about the Lord Jesus and him coming into this earth. In Mission Praise, it's number 47. It's a way in a manger. I want you to imagine that late this afternoon, about half past three or four o'clock, just as it's starting to get dark, you're sitting in your favorite armchair, either in the kitchen or in the living room, and the fire's lit and it's cozy. Maybe the television's on in the background, or, or you're having a chat with your family. You're, you're half engaged in what's happening in the room, and you're half dozing. By about half past four, it's fairly dark. No one's turned the light on yet. And then someone comes into the room, and the first thing they do as they go through the door is reach out and touch the light switch and put the light on. What's your first reaction? 
Well, I'm guessing that for some of us, maybe most of us, it's probably to uh, scrunch our eyes up a wee bit and maybe even to say to them, would you put that light off? I'm very comfortable here and I don't need the brightness of that light just at the minute on a Sunday afternoon when I'm trying to catch a doze. But say next week, you're out driving at night on country roads and it's dark, it's wet and it's windy and there's water lying at the side of the road and it's hard to see and you really have to concentrate. And then you come into a town and there are street lights making it much easier to see. What's your first reaction to the light then? I'm guessing probably for most of us it's relief. We're glad to see it. It helps us to see. And we're pleased that the light is there because it's helping us. These are two very different reactions to light that probably most of us have had at one time or another. And they're also two very different reactions to the Lord Jesus Christ that many people have had as well, possibly us too. I've said already that John, at the start of his gospel, talks about Jesus as light. We've seen it. We read verses 4 and 5 of John chapter 1. In him, that's Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I want to think about those words for a few minutes this morning and to see three things that are in them. Firstly, that the light is needed. Secondly, that the light has not been understood. And thirdly, that the light has not been overcome or extinguished. Firstly then, the light is needed. I wonder how much you remember about your secondary school science lessons. I have to say I don't remember very much of mine, but I do remember some experiments we did with plants. We planted some seeds in different pots. One was set in a dark cupboard and was left there. One was set on a bench with the lamp turned on beside it, just to one side. And the other one was left in the room and it was turned round occasionally. Now the one that was in the room that was turned round occasionally, it grew normally straight up. The one that had the lamp beside it, it grew over towards the lamp. And the one that was in the dark cupboard, well it did grow up straight. But it was long and thin and spindly. It grew like that because there was something in the plant that was telling it that if it could grow high enough, it would get out of that darkness and it would break through into the light. It thought it was still under the soil. Now, what did we learn from it all? Well, simply we learnt that plants need light. And there's something in them that knows they need the light and is drawn to it. Light is needed for plants. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the light of men, is needed by all people as well. He shines into the darkness. He needed to do that. He is needed to do that. 
into the darkness of this world, the darkness of our hearts. And it's exactly the same as with the plants. Without his light in our hearts, we don't have the light of life. He is the true light. And that's why God sent him into the world that first Christmas. To be the light, the light that we need. And the light that the world needs. So this light was needed. But secondly, the light hasn't been understood. I've just said that our need for Jesus' light is the same as plants' need for light. But there's one very significant difference that we have to be aware of. There's something that's built into plants that tells them they need this light. That's why the one with the lamp beside it grows over closer to the lamp. The one in the dark cupboard grows up so tall and thin and spindly, hoping it will reach the light because they know they need it. Plants have that built into their nature. But sadly for us, we don't. We don't understand that we need the light. John chapter 1 verse 5. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. We don't understand the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our own nature, we don't understand that we need his light. And so we don't seek his light. This is something that we can trace away back to Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, just after Adam and Eve have sinned for the first time, we're told that they hide from God. This is the first time they've ever done such a thing. Up until then, they would never have done that. They would have been pleased to be with God and for him to be with them. But now that they have sinned, everything has changed. And this part of them has gone. This part of them has died. It's what God said would happen to them. If you sin, you'll die, he said. They sinned. And while they didn't drop dead physically immediately, this part of them died at once. This part of their nature was gone. They no longer sought God's light. They no longer realized that they needed his light of life. That was the start of it. And it's been that way ever since. All of us, by ourselves, are not seekers of God's light. Our nature has changed in this, just as Adam and Eve's did. And now when we hear God's word and his call to follow him, we suspect that he wants to do us harm. He wants to take away our freedom. He wants to spoil our fun. But nothing could be further from the truth. God wants to bless us. He wants to give us life. And he gave Jesus to be crucified for us so that he could offer us the gift of life and salvation from our sins. 
But in our darkness, we don't understand the light. So we respond the way we do when someone switches on the light when we're half dozing on a Sunday evening. We close our eyes and we tell them to turn off the light because we're comfortable the way we are. We want to stay in the dark. We want to stay in our spiritual darkness undisturbed by God and his light in the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need is to get this understanding back to realize afresh our need of the light, to be like moths that are attracted to the light of Jesus. And thankfully, that's what God does in the lives of believers in him. He opens our, our eyes to him by his Holy Spirit. He gives, gives us a new nature by his Holy Spirit. He makes us new creatures. The old has gone and the new has come. Just as it says there in John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who received him. To those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent. Nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God. When we turn to him and receive him into our lives, he then gives us a heart for him. All of our suspicions against him are removed. We realize that God is our loving heavenly father and we understand that he blesses us and gives us full and eternal life. So we see the light of Jesus is needed. It hasn't been understood. Thirdly and finally, it hasn't been overcome. You've maybe seen those trick candles, have you, that sometimes are put on young people's birthday cakes. You know the ones that when they're blown out, they automatically light again. Have you ever seen those candles? If it hadn't have been for covid and the fact that we're not allowed to blow out candles when we're around people now. I would have brought some of those candles here today for you to try. And you know the harder that you blow them, they, they keep on lighting again. You ever seen those? Yeah, sure you have. They're a perfect illustration of what John is saying here in verse 5. About how the light of the Lord Jesus has not been overcome. The darkness, he says, has not overcome it. Now, we need to look at this a wee bit. And if you have a Bible in front of you, and it's a new international version, you'll see that there's a wee footnote, a little A here. And it's a footnote down to the bottom. Because John, the writer, was a master of using words that meant more than one thing. He does it most famously in John chapter 3. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says that Nicodemus must be born again, that word for again also means from above. And we might be tempted to think, was Jesus saying to Nicodemus that he must be born again? Or was he saying to Nicodemus that he must be born from above? Well, actually, we don't need to work that out. Because both of those things are true. 
Nicodemus did need to be born again. He needed a new spiritual life, a, a second birth. But he also needed to be born from above. Because that second birth, that new birth, comes from above from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus and John are saying both things, not one or the other. And here in this verse, there's another example of it. We've already seen that it says that the light has not been understood. But the word understand in Greek also means to overcome or extinguish. It can mean both things and that's why there's a footnote. And it seems clear again that John is meaning both things. Because just as it's true that the light has not been understood... It's also true that the light of Jesus has not been overcome. Just the way those candles don't get blown out, they keep on lighting again. The light of Jesus shines in the darkness. And even though the darkness has tried to snuff out the light of Jesus, even by crucifying him on the cross, it can't, the darkness has not overcome it. The writer, the Christian writer Ravi Zacharias, in his book Deliver Us From Evil, he tells a story that illustrates this quite well. He worked in Vietnam in the 1970s as an evangelist during the Vietnam War. And during that time he had a young Vietnamese translator, a man called Hien. He was a Christian. And both of them travelled round together. Ravi Zacharias preached and Hen translated what he said. They became very good friends, working together for four years before the country fell into the hands of the communists and foreigners like Ravi Zacharias had to leave. Ravi Zacharias says that he lost touch with Hen because he had to stay behind in Vietnam and he often wondered what happened to him. Until 17 years later, he got an unexpected phone call from him. Hien told him his story, that he had been put into prison by the communists. He had been tortured. They had tried to brainwash him into renouncing his Christian faith. He wasn't allowed to read anything in English, only communist propaganda. After a long time of this, Hien says that he began to think that maybe the communists were right. Maybe he had been lied to by these Westerners and maybe God didn't exist after all. Finally, he said, he went to bed this particular night and he decided that when he wakened up the next morning, he wouldn't pray he wouldn't think of his Christian faith ever again. He was going to set the whole thing aside. The next morning came and he was given the worst job in the prison that day. The job of cleaning the latrines. All of the prisoners hated it. But as he cleaned out one tin can filled to overflowing with toilet paper that morning, his eye saw what he thought was English writing printed on one piece of paper. 
He took it out. He washed it off. And he put it into his pocket, planning to read it that night. That night, under his mosquito net, he got out that small piece of paper and he read it with the torch that he had. And as he read it, he says that he literally began to tremble when he read these words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. man said that he wept as he read those words. He knew his Bible and he hadn't seen a Bible for so long. But he knew as well as he read those words that there were no other words in the whole world that were more relevant to him on that day. The day when he had decided he would no longer pray or think about God or what Jesus had done for him at all. This was the day he was going to put an end to it all. And this was the day when God spoke to him even in that dark prison through the word of God about Jesus Christ and how impossible it is to be separated from his love. The next day and the following days, he actually volunteered, asked the warders if he could clean the latrines again. He realized that some official in the camp was using a Bible as toilet paper. And each day he retrieved and cleaned it. And he gathered them together. And he used them to read his Bible, those parts of the Bible each night in the quietness and the seclusion of his cell. There's much more to the story than that, but eventually he was released and escaped the country. But for us, it's so plain to see that God's light shone in the darkness. And the darkness, dark as it was, could not overcome it. Now that's an amazing story and there are many like them. But some cynics might say, well, that's just one small thing. In one small life, in so much darkness in the world, what difference does it make? Well, that's the way God often chooses to work. One life at a time and each one life does make a difference does shine out into this dark world and his light and the light that's reflected from his people is never overcome and as well as that as far as you and I are concerned each of us well we only have one life your life and mine. And it's your life 
and my life that God is interested in. Your one life and my one life. So today, can I ask you about your one life? What's your reaction to God's light? We all need his light. It's the light of life for men and women and young people such as us. The darkness that is around us and within us cannot overcome that light. It can't be extinguished. But you can, if you wish, seek to resist it. You can seek to close your eyes to it, just as you might this afternoon if someone turns the light on. Or you can welcome it. In welcoming him, responding to him, receiving him, turning from your sin and becoming his child, a child of God in the process. I'm sure that each one of us here today and anyone who's watching at home, you know where you stand with God. You know whether you've opened your heart to him or not or whether it's still closed and you're resisting him. Can I encourage you if you haven't yet received him to receive him now because what you're receiving is light and life, eternal life and it can be found in no other place but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do that, you'll find out the truth of those words that we started the service with. Where Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, come and shine your light, we pray, into our lives. For those here today and those watching today who haven't yet opened their hearts to your light, give them grace to do that now. To receive you, to be born again, born from above, to have that light of life which will enable them never to walk in darkness again. For those of us, Lord, who have received you by your grace, give us grace to fully open our lives to you, to let your light into every dark corner, and fill us with your Spirit, that we might live for you with all of the power that is at work within us by that Spirit serving you, shining for you in our lives, whether it's at home, at school or at work, in our families and in our community and in this, your church. May your light shine within this church, dear God. May it shine brightly, focused so clearly in you as the congregation together seeks to draw closer to you, to follow you more closely, to be more like you as individuals and as a body. 
especially at this time of vacancy, dear God, with all of the challenges that that brings. Lord, may your light shine upon those in particular need at this time, upon those who have been facing and are facing illness of various types, upon those who have been bereaved and who have felt that dark cloud of loss all around them. Lord, we pray especially for the Copeland family at this time, asking that you would bless them, asking that you would give them your comfort and that you would bring them the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope that is found nowhere else in the face of death because Jesus rose from the grave. Turn them to you and encourage and comfort them. And as we think about this year that is coming towards an end, as we think about Christmas that is planned in just under a fortnight, Lord, we have lived this year under the cloud of COVID. Even today, announcements have been made that things have been postponed or cancelled because of the threat of that virus. And that has weighed us down, Lord. We have found that difficult. We haven't been prepared for anything like that. We have had to think things through in our own lives and in our families and here in this church. And we realize that our leaders uh, here in, in this country, in this part of the United Kingdom and in the United Kingdom as a whole, they have struggled to come to terms to respond to what's going on. Lord, all of these things are true and we have truly struggled and we've been grieved and burdened by all of this. Some of us affected profoundly by it. We turn to you this morning in the midst of it and we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would shine your light within us and give us grace even for this situation. And for what lies ahead, because we don't know what lies ahead, only you do. But we realize that you're the one who holds the future. And you're the one who has grace for your people, here and now and eternally. And so, Lord Jesus, give us grace to draw upon you in all of this. Because we need your help. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are sufficient. We thank you that your victory is secure. And we thank you that your light can never be overcome. We worship you for that. In your name. Amen. We close our service as we sing the item of praise. While shepherds watched their flocks, let us sing praise to God.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.